Welcome to this week's podcast from the Eucliping Church. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen. Wow. I was just sitting there thinking that this is the month of giving. He gave his son. That's what we celebrate this month. Parties going on everywhere when we could be having a Holy Ghost party. Because I ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. Mm. Hallelujah. He's awesome. I, I agree with what Pastor Jacob said that, you know, I don't know what you came for. I don't know what you came to do. I came to praise the Lord. I came to get in the middle of his presence. I don't work church as usual. When I go to church as it is, I'm like, no, please, God, don't let this be a church as usual. Don't let me be in a service where we just have church as usual. Amen. I've said it before. I'll say it again. One person said, well, now, sister, whenever you have a service, you just got to go ahead and have it. Even if nothing happens, Holy Ghost don't show up. He'd been pastoring 38 years, and I'm like, really? I'm trying to take it from somebody's experience, I thought, and I go, that don't sound good. He said, well, that's how I've been doing this 38 years, and sometimes it, it'll be awesome move, and sometimes it won't. And I'm like, ooh, I don't like the sometimes it won't. That's what I don't like. Then I ran into another pastor, and he said, huh, I like what he said. He said, if he ain't there, we're going to keep on changing things till he shows up. We're going to keep on changing it till he shows up. So I don't know what you came for, but I came for him to show up. Because there ain't nothing I can do for you. There ain't nothing Randy can do for you. But I know the one who can. And when we let him come and fulfill, the, he, he knows every need. He knows every person is supposed to be here. He got you here. You said, well, no, I decided to come. You didn't decide without him drawing you. He was working on you. Amen. Some people think, well, you know what they preached last night, that sure, or the night before, or last month, or last, whenever it is, they, well, Susie sure did need that. We have pitchfork religion. We want to pass it off to somebody else, and it's like, Susie ain't here, you are. Anyway, I won't look at anybody on that. I just want you to hot dog get it. That's what the church needs to do. And they need to keep it. I said they need to keep it. I say, Lord, go ahead, put your hand here. Say, put a fire down in my soul. I can't contain and I can't control. Say, people try to control it. I'm telling you, Jesus will jump your fence. Holy Ghost will jump your fence. You trying to control him, he'll jump out on you. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you for letting us be here again. We love this house. We love your pastors. We love being going to visit with them. It's just hard to get away from them when we get around them. You know, you just don't spend an hour or two. We send several and then still longing for more. See, when people are of like mind, and people know the Lord and you you are of like mind in the Holy Spirit, you just like get in each other's cupboards. 
you know, if you like the same kinds of foods, it's kind of fun to get around and cook in the kitchen with each other. And, and, and oh, yeah, have you had tried this with this? Have you tried that? No, how does that work? Because I sure like that dish, and I like that dish. Oh, that does spice it up. Well, that's the same with the Holy Spirit. You, you get in each other's cupboards and like, man, I never thought. Yeah, well, what about? Yeah, woo! Amen. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, wherever I go, I change the atmosphere. Good to see you, Tim. How are you? Good. Amen. You look good. Last year, the devil was trying to beat you up, tear you up from the floor up. Now, ha, ha. <laughs> Go ahead. Ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Go ahead. Ha, 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 Hey, man, some of you need to start laughing. Some of you are so busy crying, you just need to start laughing. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. You better start learning to laugh. You're going to need to be laughing for the next 24 months. I won't even get into that. I'm just saying you better start learning to laugh. Amen. Amen. No, I guess I will. There's a friend of mine in his church in California, and he, he's been in, what, four different locations, three to four? He started at one location with the bank building. It was great. And they were just outgrowing the building, and, and, and Randy even spoke to him. said, I see you in the storage building where bleachers coming out. I see it with uh, this and that. And it, he said, and it's funny because he said, I wouldn't think of a storage building as a church, but this is a big warehouse storage building. And sure enough, that's where they, yeah, black curtains, all this stuff. And he gave him the total description. Well, we find out a year or two later they're in this and they had to work hard. They had no air conditioning, and in California, it's hot. Hot. You know, we get hot and cold. In Texas, it's hot. Amen. And so they didn't have air conditioning, but they had the warehouse. They had the curtains, and so they'd have to open the doors. And inside a warehouse, there's not really windows. So they had to be creative of stuff, and they had to keep praying. In the, and so the air conditioning finally came. In other words, I'm trying to say they had struggle after struggle after struggle, but the church kept growing. So they outgrew that warehouse, and they finally got an air conditioner in, got it all together, but then they had to go. They found another warehouse. They got it in, got new chairs, got a little coffee shop built, got a children's church built. It wasn't just, you know, inside this warehouse. It just became this beautiful church building. And then other churches joined in, and, and so the building was used almost every day. They had uh, um, Episcopal, or what, no, it was a Nazarene pastor that did an afternoon service. They had somebody that did a Saturday. They had somebody that did a Friday night. That church did their Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesday, and but the building was used by different churches, and it was awesome, and it was looking good, and all of a sudden, the guy who owned the warehouses decided he wanted that building. And so he made it tough on them, so they lost it all. So they had to move, and all the churches said, we're going to move with you, and they didn't. It was like seven churches, and they all, yeah, it's okay, because by then it needed the income of each other in order to go where they had to go next and, and started in, and here it goes, building again. You know what it's like to keep building and building and building a church, tearing out walls, putting in walls? You'd finally just say, I'm tired. I know how to, it's like a person moving all the time. Well, I think I could own a moving company. I know how to do this. But you still get stressful and tired from it. 
And I just say all that to tell you this because I'm trying to let you know something. It's like, Pastor, everything you've been going through the last few years, that's really easy street. What's coming up in the next 24 months is going to be tougher. You think all that's tough. Wait till you see what's ahead in the next 24 months. So, church, I'm not trying to put fear. I'm not. I'm saying strap in, get ready to laugh, learn to move forward, learn to move in God, learn to pray, pray. You talk about, you know what pastor was really doing? He was teaching you how to get in warfare and victory by your own breakthrough. Don't wait for the pastor. Don't wait for the speaker. Don't wait for the evangelist. Don't wait for somebody to sprinkle something on you, make you feel good. Get in here and break through. And you're going to have to learn to do this yourself because you're going to need some breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. So thank you. Go ahead and say thank you for making us break through. Even though some of you might not have totally got there, at least you watched. And then some of you got saying, well, what do I do? I'm, I'm going to go get on the floor. I'm going to go get at the all. I'm going to do something if I'm going to get my breakthrough. Right? So you saw a little example. Say, ooh, I think I saw a little bit of how to do breakthrough. When the church has prayer meeting, you're not working. Working, I'd show up for it. I won't look at anybody. I said, when the church is having prayer meeting and you're not working because we understand with work you have to make an income, I'd make it. I would skip the ball game. I would skip the birthday party that you promised somebody you'd be to. I'd skip some things and start putting prayer back in more. Hallelujah. I'm just telling you where your victory's at. He's right. He said the preach is here. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 Amen. Awesome. Praise the Lord. There is impartation materials over there, and you help keep us on the road. Go over there and shop till you drop. If you drop, it's a Pentecostal church. They'll just think you fell out in the glory. <laughs> Amen. Well, you may as well shop over there. They say those boats aren't going to get in with all your gifts, so I got plenty for you. <laughs> I'm telling you. And they're good impartation materials. I, I love it. One lady got one of my dad's DVDs, I think, Divine Healing on Trial, or it could have been Two Prayers to Pray. And she decided that she's going to fix dinner and, and invite all of her neighbors over. And so she uh, fixed some dinner for them all and invited them over. And she said, we're going to watch this DVD. She said, I believe some of you need to get healed. I need some of you need to get set free. And she said, I believe that when we watch this, some of you are going to get healed. And so here's Episcopalian, Catholic, Methodist, Baptist, all denominations sitting in her house. And she fixed dinner. They ate. They went and sat in the living room. Said, your dad said, everybody stand and praise the Lord. She said, they all stood up and said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And he said, now everybody raise your hands. He said, they all raised their hands. He said, now I want you to just shout Jesus. And so they'd shout whatever. She said, your dad tell. All of a sudden he'd be preaching away and he'd say, say amen as loud as you can. She said, and I live in that, amen. She said, but at the end of all of that, watching people come out of wheelchairs off of hospital beds and there, she said, people started getting healed in my living room. 
people started getting set free in my living room. She said they didn't know. They thought, she he said, your dad had such an authority when he preached. They just did everything he said to do. They didn't question. I don't know that our church does that. They didn't care what their church did. They just did it. Amen. So there is an anointing in these things, and there is an impartation. So just enjoy them. Get them for yourself. Buy them for others. There's books, and we take credit card. Uh, be sure and put your phone number and your amount of money you spent. You don't want me to put mine. I had one of them left it blank once, and I said, so does that mean I can put whatever I want? Amen. You don't want me to because one time my husband did plastic surgery on me. Everybody said, really? Yeah, he cut up all my credit cards. <laughs> so you know I could spend. <laughs> so anyway, be sure and put your phone number and your amount. There's books. There's bandanas that we pray over. But we also have prayer cloths that we pray. I gave some out last night, and we will some more. These are just to be an undercover agent with, to give to somebody they don't know you're, they've been prayed for for salvation, deliverance, and healing. Because I found out some people don't, won't take a prayer cloth. I said, what? See, I grew up, that, that's what we did. Sent out the prayer cloth because he said, the same anointing that's in this house will go out to those people. I was in one service that we were praying over prayer cloth after prayer cloth, giving them out. And so finally, at the end of the deal, I, I thought, well, I have one left. I stuck it in my pocket. We'd done some more praying for people, and this guy, I need a prayer cloth. You didn't get me a prayer cloth. There's a whole long story behind it. I won't get into all that. He had been a little annoying all through the service anyway. And now he decided he wanted a prayer cloth. And I said, well, I just happened to have one. I knew the Lord said, he said, no, I need two. So one wasn't enough. And I said, okay, Pastor, can you get me some scissors? And he's standing there, like, you know. So now I'm like getting my teeth trying to rip it. I'm going to get you two. I am. I'm going to get you two, and I'm going to get you out of here or something. No. <laughs> Pastor finally, she gets back. By then, I've already torn it with my teeth, got it ripped in half. And I said, okay, here's you two. What do you want me to pray? My sister and my aunt's dying. I said, all right, so I laid hands on the prayer cloths, and I began to pray, and I prayed for the sister. He didn't tell me what, and then I prayed for the aunt that was in the long-term or nursing home, whatever, dying. Get up and rise up in Jesus' name, and I handed it to him. And there was a whole lot going on this night in this particular service, a lot. Teenagers running in and out. I, I mean, you'd be like preaching, and two rows all of a sudden, there'd be people, and all of a sudden, two rows gone. <laughs> what did I do wrong? You know, as a preacher, you're thinking, I made, I offended him. I did said something because sometimes we can get a little harsh on things, you know. And so I thought, and then the next thing you know, a roll of them came back. And then I'm thinking, well, what now? And then all of a sudden, one of them over there and come get somebody over here. And there went three or four, four out. And it was just constant like this throughout the service. And, and, and the preacher's son who was playing was running in and out the side door, which is right by the organ. And, and, and then he would bring in two or three people, and then he would take off with them. Then he'd come back, and I'm like, I'm like, get me out of this place. This man sitting on the front row who just glared at me and snarled at me and said, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And he already had a T-shirt on that already offended me. It was bad. It didn't say nice stuff, didn't do nice stuff. And I'm already like, oh, help me, Jesus. 
So the guy that had booked me in this meeting called the next day, said, well, how'd the meeting go? And I said, mm, I don't know. I prayed for people. I said, I wanted the Lord there, but I don't know if they had any place for him there, but he was with me. And he said, what do you think? I said, I think it was bad, really bad. And I said, I'm trying to repent because there's one person in there. I've never wanted to just smack somebody, but I wanted to smack this guy. <laughs> and I told him how he was persistent about getting a prayer cloth, but that wasn't enough. He had to have two. And I told him I only had one left. Well, I need two. And I said, okay, well, you can take this. And I did tell him, you can take this one home, cut it in half. No, I need two. You pray for. So that's when I, give me scissors. And <clears throat> well, this went on a couple of days afterwards after I told this guy that had booked it. <laughs> he called back. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. They said every word you gave, he said, because I finally, when the teenager's running in, I said, you come here. I got something for you. Another teenager, I called him over. <coughs> called the pastor's son over and began, hand me that water or water, right? There you go. Any of them, yeah, he's got one now. <coughs> and, uh, and, and said, after you spoke to that son, said the mother said, he is straightened up. He is doing things that she don't believe. Said the teenagers are all showing up. At, they showed up at church Wednesday night. She said she's never seen her church so well behaved and not people running in and out and disturbing. And then, by the way, that man, I said, what? That man you gave a prayer cloth to to tear in half. Yeah. Well, he came. He don't like women preachers. And the woman who who pastored the church she was a woman preacher and he said he didn't know why he ended up in that building or why he came to that church not only that he was black and he don't like white people so I had two strikes against me I was a woman preaching and I was white so he didn't like me at all but he didn't want to be rude and leave because he had been taught to sit still. Now, here's a person full of devils been taught to sit still. And those who are in church who's been taught to, they running around all over the place. Go figure. But he went home to his sister on Monday. He said, I got a prayer cloth for you. And he put it on her eye and God opened her eye. She had a, a bad eye, had gone blind. And she, he said, oh, hurry, i got to get to the nursing home. Our aunt's dying and get her the other prayer cloth. And his sister said, well, now that I can see out of my eye, I'll drive you. She drives him to the nursing home. They're going down the hallway of the nursing home. They said, hurry, get in here quick. Auntie's dying, and, and you need to tell her bye. He said, no, she can't die yet. I got her a prayer cloth. They said, a what? He said, a prayer cloth. And he went on. He said, threw it on her. He said, you're supposed to live. This lady said to tell you live and not die. So get up in Jesus' name. And so he repeated what I told him to tell her. And she sat up and said, I'm hungry. I want something to eat. Said he was at the church Wednesday morning telling the pastor, I didn't like women. That's how she knew. I don't like women. Preachers. He said, but I like them now. I think they're the best. And you tell that white woman whenever she comes back, I want to come. <laughs> Woo! God can turn people around, situations around. He can change hearts and lives. That's why he said, take the prayer cloths, the hankies. 
to the people. The same anointing that's in this house will go to your house, will go to your job, will go to your street corner, will go to your neighbor. And they said in the Bible, when they took them out, many miracles happened. Demons came out of people. Woo, we could have church just getting rid of demons. Amen. Hallelujah. So enjoy yourself over there. We also have the disciple crosses, and some of the uh, people that's been here in the services can tell you how those work. We have awesome CDs and these books, Jack Coe's own story, A.A. Allen. All of that's there, so I'm not going to tell you all of it. As he said, it's already here. <laughs> God will set your fields on fire is my favorite, and there's other sermons. There you go, honey. We won't be at the table. The reason why sometimes I tell you up here because some people want to know and we tell you ahead of time because we're going to be here praying for you. To me, that's more important. There's a river that flows. And people need healing and deliverance and salvation. And lots of that has happened in this church. I'm not just telling you stories about another church. I can start telling you stories about this church. And the move of God in this church. In fact, the first revival that we had, one lady kept coming and bringing her friends. The first night she came when she fell out, she'd called some friends. And, well, the next night she came up, and I said, what do you want prayer for? She said, I want that to happen again. I said, what to happen? She said, what I got last night. I said, what would you get last night? She said, I fell out. She said, I don't know what it is, but I want that. That was nice. I said, okay, so I prayed for her, and she fell out again. Well, she must have called her friends because three ladies showed up with her the third night. She had a, her and three other ladies. And so when they came up for prayer, I said, what do you want? They said, we want what she got. We want that fallout. <laughs> I said, okay, well, I don't know anything about it, but, yeah, that's what we want. I prayed for them, boom, boom, boom. They went down. Well, apparently they told each other, called some other. That Y'all remember that lady. She showed up six people the next time. And all of them wanted to fall out. I said, wow, we got people coming to church, and, and they're Pentecostal people, and they go, I don't, just don't, don't let me fall out. They fight it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, what are you doing to me? I'm not doing anything. That's the holy, yeah, you're trying to push me. I said, I just got one little finger on your forehead. What are you talking about? This finger that strong? Come on. And here, they are, here they're saying, and, and I said, well, what's it doing for you? She said, oh, it's good. Makes us feel good. They didn't even understand what it was all about. They just wanted it. Amen. Uh, and, and, and a lady blood-sucking demon back there got healed in the back, come running, hollering, that's what's wrong with me. I got a blood-sucking demon and run up to the front and got healed. Backs, necks, shoulders. Where's the lady last night with the shoulder? How you doing? It's still gone? No, come back, devil. Come on up here and tell him. Come on up here. That was just last night. Praise God. Yeah, but I was hurting yesterday when I came in. I couldn't, I had just gotten home from work, and I think I twisted my shoulder when I got out of the truck because, I'm, you know, I'm short and the truck's a little higher. <laughs> so it's kind of hard for me to get in and out. But when I told her, I said, my shoulder just hurts. I can't lift my arm. I couldn't pick it up because it was hard. 
but now I'll do this. It's great. Awesome. You can do what? Yeah. Woo. Anyone else last night that I didn't know about and you got healed, got touched, something happened for you? Okay, well, then you better get ready for tonight if it didn't. Amen. We're praying for one for weight loss. And then I, when it happens to her, I'm going to lay hands on myself. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. This is my husband, Randy, and he will be helping to pray. God uses him to see inside of bodies, give a prophetic word. If he gives you a word, pay attention, because if you come back to him later and ask him, what did you say? He's not going to remember. He tries to blame it on age, but he's been that way for quite some time. <laughs> He just don't remember. And it, and really, it's not for him to know. He's not giving you a word for him to know. It's not a Randy word. It's coming from the Lord. And he's trying to tell you something. So sometimes it's best to listen. Some people, the minute that somebody starts talking to them, and then they, what did you say to me? <laughs> so pay attention. See what God's up to. And then you can fall out and ha-ba-ba all you want, okay? <laughs> Amen. But I just love how God has used him. He's raised Episcopalian, and Holy Ghost got a hold of him. He made us Pentecostal people look bad, falling out. And I thought he's going to fall on top of this woman. Instead, Holy Ghost just laid him right down beside her. But as he's going down, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, he's going to fall on that woman and squash her. Yeah. But he didn't. Amen. Holy Ghost knows what he's doing. Amen. And I was, we was praying one time at David Angel's church, went, hadn't even laid hands, just went to put her hand in four couples and the catcher. They fell on top of the catcher, all four couples and the catcher on the floor, like, like something just threw them all in a pile. Tennis shoes and faces, all kinds of like, pastors looking at me, you ever had that happen before? Not me. I said, he's had it happen sometimes, but not me. And, of course, he's like, yeah, I guess. So we're standing there like, what do we do? And then finally, well, let's just go pray for some more. We'll come to find out later when we got back to him. Every one of them, including the catcher, had bad backs. God healed all eight of nine, counting the catcher, all nine of them on the floor at one time. All they needed was Jesus' touch. Amen. Amen. So come on, Randy, whatever the Lord's showing you. Hallelujah. Are you having fun? <laughs> she does that to me a lot. I had a guy ask me one time, he said, if you get a, a, a pastor call you and uh, to come preach and you know that the place you're going to is way out in nowhere land, will you go? And I said, Absolutely. Because that seems like where we go a lot. I want to tell you a few things like, like in, for instance, uh, some of the directions we get. Uh, one time it was like uh, uh, you go down such and such road. You look at the bottom of the hill and there's a dirt road. You turn right. You go up down that dirt road and you go up to the top of the hill. And there's a big oak tree with a board nailed on to it. I'm telling you, this is honest God truth. And you turn left where that board is. Now I looked on the board to see if there's anything. There ain't nothing on it. Just nailed to the tree. <laughs> We're in Missouri, so, you know, a lot going on. And, but but there's, there's many times that the, that the uh, and you think the GPSs, and I love them. Trust me, I love them. And, and, and some places that go, 
and the GPS would go, I don't know. <laughs> and you're like, good luck, you know. Uh, uh, there was a, there was a, 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 a little, let's see, that was, a, oh, yeah, in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, they said, they said, now, we know that when you get out to where we are, uh, your GPS won't work. I said, oh, great, here we go again. You know, here, give me some instructions. So you get into town. As soon as you get into town, turn left on such and such road. I said, okay, we're good here. Go down that road till it ends. Okay. So we turn where they tell us to. We get on this road. We go down there, and, and the the road literally there's no road there's a row of trees and they said just look to the left and there's a church well you look to the left well, sure enough there it is out in the middle of nowhere beautiful and i love these little old churches with these great steeples i just love that i look for them and that's what this little church was so the pastor was saying just a while ago there's many times one word from the lord will change everything this is a little example of that. We were we were in this service. It was about oh, about twenty people, roughly, and it was in toward the end of the service. And there was two other guys. There was two guys being the last two guys being prayed for. One of them was speaking to the pastor, and Joanna was praying for the other one. Well. I just got a little tired. I said, I must go go sit down. So I sit down. As soon as I sit down, I keep hearing the word Richard. Richard. It just kept coming back. And Richard, I just keep hearing Richard. And I'm thinking, all right. Lord, is this you? And he said, Richard. All right, you know. So I walk, I get up, and, and he's drawing me. Now, I'm, this is, Holy Spirit's showing me how to do all of these things now. He said, go over to this guy. He didn't say nothing else. Just go over to this guy. So I walk over to him, and he's, well, I'm wondering now, is this guy named Richard, you know? Yeah, you know? So I walk over to him, and I hear him speaking to the, to the pastor, and he's talking something about a job. Uh, I don't know if it's his or whatever. And so I walked over to him, and I said, uh, Excuse me, do you know, know someone by the name of Richard? And he looked at me kind of funny. He said, yeah, he's my boss. And I go, okay. And I don't hear nothing, crickets. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I said, look, I don't have a clue of what's going on. But I just keep hearing the name Richard, and I don't know why. I'm going to go sit down, and I'm going to inquire of the Lord right now. And if I get, a, a, you know, before we leave tonight, I'll, I'll look you up and find out what this is. Well, I'll sit over there, and in about five minutes, the Lord says, go tell him this. Richard speaks out of both sides of his mouth. Whoa. Okay. I didn't hear nothing else. So I walked over to him, and I said, Richard speaks out of both sides of his mouth. He said, well, he's a friend of mine. I said, well, that's all I know. That's all I'm giving you. Come to find out, this is uh, months later, maybe even a year. I, I don't remember the next time we went out. Well, sure enough, Richard calls him into his office. He's thinking he's going to get a promotion. He gets fired. Richard spoke out of both sides of his mouth. Amen. So one word, you never know what that one word 
is going to do, a lot of times you, you're going to know that one word. He, he tells me a lot of times one word. Amen? He speaks in paragraphs to her. I don't know why. I don't know. Or it seems like it anyway, you know. And you're wondering, well, what did I do? Hallelujah. But we do, we listen, we go, sometimes we're out driving and trying to find these places, and I'm saying, what in the world did we do, you know, why is he showing us these places? But I'm going to tell you something. A lot of times uh, we go to some of these places and where we stay is not too good. It's not too, uh, they're not easy for us. But, but the thing that happens Every, now not, not every now and then, every time that we're inconvenienced or we're not uncomfortable, blah, 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 every time the service in that church is over the top. Outstanding service. So what's he saying? Hello? You get to these little churches and you think, oh, well, uh, they're probably not going to give anything, you know. Come on, and they'll surprise you. You go to these big 2,000 people mega churches, and they'll give you uh, 150 bucks. Come on, it happens before. Don't and 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 they'll say, "Well, we give everybody that." And I thought, well, "Where are they? <laughs> They're not there." <laughs> oh, this gets crazy. I'm telling you, we're in a we're in a. Uh, we're in a, a, a season in our life right now that we don't know what we're liable to run into tomorrow. I mean, are, will you understand that? Or no, will you hear that? Do we understand it? No, we don't have a clue. Joanna just told us the next 24 months may be really tough. Are you prepared for that? If you're not, let's get prepared. Amen. Because we're going to make, listen, we're children of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Amen. And he's going to take care of us if we, if we, if we pray. That's what it, listen, I told you all last night, I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for prayer. So let's keep praying. And if you, and if, if nothing happens, pray some more. If nothing happens again, pray some more. Amen. Let's get Joanna up here now. All right, I saw this under there, and it just got me. <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken Buckets. They were under my chair. That's why I got it. I grabbed them, I thought. In that 22,000-seater tent of my dad's, this is what they took up offerings in, is the Kentucky Fried. I remember as a little girl standing on one of the altars. He had all of his children lined up there, and I had to do Psalms 91, quote it. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. I'm sure I did it even faster than that as a kid, just blah, 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 blah. And, and then he had them all come up and put money in the Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets that we were holding. And I remember mine getting so full, they'd take it out of my hand and put another empty one. And they'd get so full, and they'd take it out of my hand and give us another empty one. And people were just running to give. They had the joy in giving, the pleasure. And these were hard times back then. People were having struggles and very hard times, and yet they had a heart of worship of giving. 
is awesome. So you know what I'm going to do before, because I know what's going to happen. Pastor's going to remind me when it's time to pray for you that we forgot the offering, which is what I usually do. And so, yeah, I'm on church right now. But, and also, when my husband said that I said 24 months, what's coming, it's also to add to it, it's going to be very glorious. Spiritually, you're going to see light and miracles and such wonderful things. Along with the darkness, the light will shine and you will stand. So I'm sorry I didn't finish the rest. Uh, get ready for while this is happening, this is happening in God. Amen. So I'm going to let Pastor come and I'd like for you to take them in the buckets tonight. <laughs> All right, before Joanna gets up and ministers tonight. And there's no chicken in them, so, you know, it's not, you don't put in and take out. Just If there's chicken in there, you got to share. <clears throat> there's nothing like, uh, we had our encounter weekend back in November, and we ended it with Kentucky Fried Chicken. I said, I really want some fried chicken. Pastor Hector went and picked up fried chicken. Did you know that Bethel Church in Reading, they collect all their offerings with KFC buckets? That's why we have them, because they did that. But I didn't realize that they probably do that because your dad did it. Listen, we want to sow tonight into their ministry and into the move of God. And uh, I just, you know, uh, Randy and Joanna said to me yesterday, they said, you know, don't, don't worry about offerings this week. And I said, that is one thing I've never worried about when we have guest ministry. I might worry about all the other church finances, and Shelly can tell you I probably do. But when it comes to guest ministry, God always has taken care of our guest ministries. And he always takes care of the church finances, too. He really does. He's faithful. He is so faithful. But there's one area I never worry about because I know this, that those who come and sow into our house, God sows into them. And, and this couple, you know, they are such an encouragement to, to me and Pastor Anna we sit with them, and it's true. I mean, we're like, okay, we'll get together, you know, just for lunch. You know, we'll try and watch our time. And four hours later, you really should go back and rest. You know, we we need to, to break up the party. And uh, it's hard because we, we just love this couple. And Joanna really took the charge uh, when, when Pastor Anna was really sick. She called me every day to check on me and Pastor Anna. And we just were just knitted together. We love these two. So we're going to sow tonight. Let's sow generously. Let's sow in faith that God would move. If you're giving online, make sure that you hit that guest speaker tab. and We'll make sure everything goes to them. Uh, so the, the KFC buckets are going to come around. We're going to pray. Father, we thank you tonight that the workman is worth their wage. And Father, that this couple who have sown into churches and cities and states and nations, God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit afresh on them. Thank you for the dream you gave me of them last night. That, Father, they were running and you came up and put your hands behind them and put your spirit on them afresh. And they began to sprint around that track faster than I could watch them. And that, Father, this next season of their life is they're like Joshua and Caleb, Father, who are entering the promised land. Father, I thank you. You are giving them, just as Joshua said, I'm stronger today than I was when we started this journey. I thank you, Father, that you'd meet every need. I thank you, Father, you'd go above and beyond because you're the God of superabundance. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's a fun fact. Joanna and Pastor Anna share the same birthday. And so this Friday's their birthday. So make sure you wish them a happy birthday. And Shelly's is tomorrow. With shipping it in. <laughs> All right. Let's bring Joanna back up. Joanna, take your liberty. Hallelujah. God will take care of you through every day. Though all the way, he will take care of you. God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day. Though all the way, he will take care of you. God will take care of you. God will take care of me through every day. Though all the way he will take care of me, God will take care of me. You know, when I think about that song and why it was written, there was a missionary, and he had been gone for some time from his family, building some churches and some children's homes. And, and so back then, they did not have phones. They did not have uh, iPhones and all that things. They had telephones, probably the little crank up. I don't know if it was the, the party lines. But they were trying and trying, and he was going from airport to airport, catching his flights. And usually, you know, the time zone over there is different than our time zone here. They was trying hard to get a hold of this pastor and to find him. When he got home, he looked and found his, got to his house, nobody there to pick him up at the airport, so he got a cab and ended up at his house, and he looked, and there was ashes. His whole house was in ashes. And he realized that it had burnt to the ground, and so he began to inquire to the neighbors, what, what happened, what's going on, and where's my family? They said, sir, that's been, they've been trying to find you. They've been trying to get a hold of you in every way they could. Your family and all burned to the ground with the house. They all died. He sat in the ashes and he wrote that song. God will take care of you through every day. Though all the way he will take care of you. God will take care of you. Oh, God will take care of you through every day. <laughs> Though all the way he will take care of you. God will take care of you. 
want you to know he's going to take care of you. You're his little children. He said he didn't see his seed begging bread or them being forsaken. He's going to take care of us. He has every hair numbered on our head. How special is that? Even your own parents can't tell you that. Your doctor can't tell you that. And one thing makes me mad when the devil tries to make me think he's my friend and doing stuff for me. He can't tell me that. In fact, a lot of times I have to tell him, start counting busters so I can get him busy to leave me alone. Amen. But we lose hair and we gain hair. In fact, since COVID, I've lost a lot. So I'm, anybody's been losing hair, I want to pray for them because I want more of my hair back. <laughs> I had to cut it off some. Most of you know I wear it pretty long, but the weight of it and I was losing. So I thought, okay. But I've heard that other people that's been happening to them that after COVID, they began to lose hair. So I pray for you. Get it back in Jesus' name. Get it back. And if there's anything else you're losing here, I want to pray because the Bible says a woman's hair is her glory. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're looking at Mark 6, starting in verse 30. And we're talking about the disciples who had gotten together with Jesus. They'd been out ministering. They'd been out carrying on. And, and they were just bragging on all the wonderful things, how that the ministry had been having all these great meetings. And each disciple was telling their stories, kind of I, I shared that last night in verse 30, and how they were talking about cancer being healed, arthritis. In fact, a, a man, my, a lady in Erie, Pennsylvania, was in one of my dad's meetings. She had taken her son. He had bad asthma. And three times he almost died on her. And she had heard about the tent meetings of Jack Coe. So she took her son and in the prayer line she said, This man in front of me said, Your dad turned to him, pulled his hanky out of his pocket. Said those preachers back then wore suits and said I had a white hanky. And he said he told that man, Stick your tongue out. And he said that man stuck his tongue out. And he said, Your dad took that white hanky and said, You foul demon of cancer came across. And he said he turned that oh, hanky over and there was the cancer inside that hanky she said I saw that and she said then he prayed for my son and she said my son's never had another asthma attack since she said in fact there was so great that the meetings he that he prayed for people in wheelchairs she said every week the wheelchairs would be stacked as high as a mountain there would be so many who came out of wheelchairs and they would take them out and burn them so they could make room for the next mountain sized wheelchairs Hallelujah. So I'm figuring the disciples the same thing. The apostles are talking to Jesus and telling them the things, both what they had done and what they had taught. It was kind of like when we were in Duncan, Oklahoma, and this lady had been watching. She was a Baptist lady. I didn't know it at the time, but people were falling out. People were putting their canes down and their walkers. They were getting healed. They were running and jumping. They were Pentecostal people. And she's watching all this and watching all this and, and people squatting that they couldn't squat with their knees and bending with their backs. And finally she came over to me and tapped me and she said, would you pray for my knee? I said, sure. So the altar happened to be right by her. They didn't have a chair there. So I said, just sit here on the altar. She said, well, I just had surgery on this knee. And she said, it's just been a few days ago. I said, okay. So she raises up her pant legs and sure enough, there's the the sewing 
in there and it's kind of puffy and it's kind of red and and so I began to pray for her knee God heal this knee Lord she had knee surgery but she wants to you to do it she said I don't want any problems and so we prayed for it and she said oh it's hot it's burning up I said yeah I feel that heat and stuff She's like, oh, wow, this is good. And I said, well, you just get up and try it and see how it is. You know, be careful since you just, but see how it is. So I'm going off to pray for more people. I look over, and this lady's over there at the wall, and she's banging her knee against the wall. <laughs> I mean, I saw this wound, and this, this thing sewed up, and I'm thinking, what are you doing? And she's banging it. So I found out, I said, what are you doing? She said, well, I didn't feel, you told me to see if it felt okay. I walked around, it wasn't hurting. She said, I did my knee like this, it wasn't hurting. I kind of ran, she saw people running, so she said, I ran around the church like they did it. She said, I thought I'll find out for sure. (laughs) And she said, and it still don't hurt. And I'm like, okay, I don't know that I would do that. But I came back the next year, and I said, ooh, what happened to that lady banged her knee against the wall? She said, oh, honey. She said she decided she liked Pentecost. She left her Baptist church. She'd been coming here, and the doctors don't even real. They said, what happened to your knee? Because we put all this replacement in there, and it doesn't look like we did anything. It looks all brand new. Whoa, what a mighty God we serve. (laughs) Yeah. So miracles happening everywhere and I'm sure they're telling them it's kind of like the guy who was preaching in a church and these young people thought they'd be really funny you know and this is a little Pentecostal preacher that's really been seeking God so they ran out and got a snake and coming through and it was a poisonous snake and they came and they threw it on him and it wrapped around his arm that preacher never missed a, a lick preaching he kept on preaching that thing turned snow white on his arm went over to the window, opened the window, unwrapped the snake, threw it out the window, and kept on preaching. Now, when you're prayed up like that, things ain't going to affect you. I can pull whatever pranks devil will come in and try all kinds of things. In fact, when the fire gets going and the glory gets going, the snakes start crawling. Amen. That's a message all in itself. That's why Paul said, shake it off in the fire. Don't let that thing bite you and swell up. Shake it off in the fire. Amen. So I'm seeing these disciples, and and they're really going on about how God has been moving and how awesome it is and, and how that they're having such a mighty move of God. And so Jesus says to them, let's go to a desert place. Now, I said last night was preaching, and we'll preach a little more on that tonight, is you got to go through to get to. There are things that are happening and things that's going on in our lives that we don't even realize that it's the Lord taking us through this. See, Jesus said to them, let's go to a desert place. You say, how did I get in this desert? Well, Jesus asked us to go, and we went. How did I get in the wilderness? How did I get in the middle of this storm? Come on. Sometimes you may have to ask yourself, how did I get here? Well, you know, like in Moses' case, he killed an Egyptian, so he had to run for his life to go to the desert. And it wasn't until later that God took him to a burning bush, said, now you got things to do. But I had something for you to do in the desert for a while till it's time now to go back to Egypt until Pharaoh will let my people go, right? 
Then Elijah, who decided at Mount Carmel to take on all the prophets in Baal and say, look, let's get the altar repaired and choose you this day whom you're going to serve. And he came up with confrontation time. Church, I'm telling you, we're fixing to come into confrontation time. It's going to have to say, you're going to have to make a decision. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. It's going to cause you problems all the time. It's going to cause you to be in the middle of mess. You got to decide which side you're on. And finally, Elijah said, You got to decide. Well, when he said, After the fire fell on the altar in Mount Carmel, Jezebel, when Ahab went back to tell him, he's like, Wow. And, you know, the people begin to worship God. And, you know, he, that's the one true God which I've always known. But, you know, you got me to worshiping Baal. And I, she said, Let me tell you something. This time tomorrow, I'll be doing to him what he did to the prophets. So what did he do? He ran for his life. He went to the desert place. He ended up in a cave. Sometimes we feel like we're in a cave. Sometimes we're running because it's our own stuff. Sometimes it's things that God has taken us to a safety place for our protection, and yet we don't like where we're at. I won't look at anybody when I say that. <laughs> but it does make you think. How did I get here? How did I get in this valley? How did I get in this desert place? How did I get to this wilderness? How did all this come about happening to me? Why do I have this pain and suffering? Why do I have this financial problem? Why do I have the kids on drugs? Why have I got a mess? Some things is your own fault. Some things is some things of your rebellion that God has said over and over and over again. And some things is the Lord's taking you through to get to. Because he's got plans for you. You were called from your mother's womb. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. And you belong. Go ahead, everybody say it. I, I belong. belong. Say it again. You know what's wrong with everybody today? They're trying to belong. You already belong. You don't need to try to belong. You already belong. Say it again. Now, you need to get up for 21 days and say that in your mirror till you finally are convinced that you belong. Amen. Because you'll go along, and all of a sudden, here you go again, trying to fit in, trying to belong. You're not going to fit in. You are a peculiar people. You're a royal priesthood. You are called out from amongst them to be separate. So quit trying to belong when you already belong. That's a whole message in itself. But sometimes that's what gets us in the wilderness, the valley, in the storm. But I want to talk about the things that gets us there because God gets us there. And he said unto them on verse 31, Mark 6, 30, one, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Now, I don't know about you, but the storms and desert places and valleys I've been in, I don't remember resting. In fact, when I lay down at bed, oh God, these wheels are. They are turning. How are we going to do this? When are we going to do that? Where are we going? Worry, stress, fear. Everything is just coming up. Everything's just going on. And yet he's saying, let's go here and rest a while. 
He even told Elijah when Elijah was out there at the brook and, and, and he said, uh, let the ravens feed you. And then the brook dried up. He had to move on. And then later, Elisha's at a brook and he says to Elisha, oh, go ahead, eat, sleep, and drink. Angel came down. Wake up. Eat, sleep, and drink. You're in a desert place. You're in a bad area right now. But that's okay. Eat, sleep, and drink. Because the journey ahead of you is big and great. See, he was taking him through to get to, too. So sometimes he says, go ahead, rest. Eat, sleep. Now get up. Go back to sleep. Eat, sleep, drink. Now let's go. What? Now let's go. Where are we going now? He don't even tell you the end plan. He just take him one step at a time. How did I get here? Why am I getting there? Where are we going from here? Let me tell you, I found out even in a desert place, there's provision in the desert. I found out when you read more in this story that there's even green grass in the desert. I always thought like this comedian said. He said, I know how to fix people starving to death in the desert. He said, I go out there and I say, this is sand. Look all you people living out here in the desert. This is sand. Nothing grows in sand. Now, I got 18 wheelers and buses out here, and instead of bringing you sandwiches and fe feeding you, which ain't going to work but in a day or two, I'm going to take you to where there's Something to eat all the time, where there's McDonald's, where there's places, restaurants, where you can go into town because it ain't going to be nothing here. And usually in a desert place, there isn't. But when Jesus is there, when God is moving, he says, I have provision in the desert. Even when Abraham, who was going to sacrifice his son, and he said, no, took his hand. He said, there, what are we going to do for a sacrifice? The ram was in the tree. Let me tell you, your ram's been in the tree all along. You just didn't know it. Say, my ram has been in the tree, but I'm stuck. But I'm going to start looking for that ram. And that don't mean a ram charger, unless you're needing one. Amen. So... Here they are in this desert place with no leisure. They are not able to have fun because, I mean, they don't have time to even eat. No leisure. It's in a tough time. So I'm looking at this, got to go through to get to. Say it. Got to go through to get to. Well, what am I going through? Go ahead. What am I going through? What am I getting to? You're going to be finding out. I, because the Lord told me to tell you, some of you have been going through some pretty hard times. Some of you have been, been pushed against so hard, you're about ready to stop, quit, and give up. And he said, this isn't the time to stop. This isn't the time to quit. This isn't the time to give up. This is the time to get up and be the church God's called you to be. Psalms 84, 5 through 7 said, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. And whose heart are the ways of them who passing through the valley of Baca made it a well. Now think about it. what does a well have? Go ahead, somebody. She's, she's on one nose. The rest of you have never been to a well, have you? What does a well have? They heard what you said. They have a bucket. They have water. Okay. 
That's right. Some of you might need a bucket to get to it. Or some of you just got a bunch of buckets. <laughs> anyway, and that ain't your bucket list you've been wanting to do. Amen. Who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. That means that they are going through the valley of Baca. This is a valley. Usually there's not pools and wells but for some reason there is a pool and there's a well in the valley of Baca I'm just trying to tell you that sometimes provision is there and we don't even realize it the ram is in the bushes they go from strength to strength every one of them in Zion what is Zion the church every one of them in Zion appeareth before the Lord what did we come for that's right. We come to see him. We come to hear from him. We come to know him. We come to get closer to him. But you know, when I begin to study history trying to find the Valley of Baca, there is no such thing in history as a Valley of Baca. You know, usually you'll say, well, the, the brook of Zarephath and this and that, and it has meanings, what the Greek and the Hebrew. And so I thought, man, we're going to get into something deep here. And it's like, there's no Valley of Baca. I said, well, what does this represent? It represents the struggles and the hard times people had as they were on their way to the house of God. You ever find out every time you're getting ready for church and maybe you've been singing all day and been in a good mood, but things start happening right around church time? You start getting ready for the stuff and don't even realize it? Struggles. I'm trying to just get to church. Why did you have to jump in front of me, car? Almost hit you. Why are we fussing and fighting, honey? We're on our way to church. We're going to go in there. Come on. We used to pastor. We know sometimes we'd have to say, well, you take a car to church and I'll take a car to church. <laughs> so that by the time we get there and we get in the glory of God and we face God, we appear before God. We're all sorry me too I love you I'm so sorry we could have rode in the same car home but now we're in separate cars and I want to ride with you but coming here I didn't want nothing to do with you <laughs> the valley of Baca is to try to bring struggles for us to try to make it tough because the devil doesn't want you in the house of God he doesn't want you to learn what freedom is, what joy is, what peace is, what it is to get set free from sin. He doesn't want you to get convicted of sin. He wants you to be comfortable with your sin. He wants you to be comfortable with your devils, with your anger, with your jealousy, with your pride, with your ego. And he don't want you to get in the house of God because then those things begin to oh, oh, make you a little uncomfortable. Like, oh, oh, they're touching that. Oh, don't touch that spot. One time I told somebody, I said, I'm going to cast that. They said, oh, no, don't, don't, don't touch. Don't lay hands on me and make my devils uncomfortable. <laughs> Amen. There's some people that don't. So no valley of Baca was found in struggles and tears through which people pass on their way to meet God. Growing strong in God's presence is often preceded by our pilgrimage through barren places in our lives. The person who loves to spend time in God's presence will view adverse circumstances as opportunities. How are you today? Great, fine, wonderful. Well, I heard everything was falling apart at your house. I heard you're having problems with your finances. I heard that everybody's been talking about you. I heard, oh, that's just 
opportunities. That's just when they talk about me, they're just letting some other poor soul rest. I mean, Mrs. Bucket Mouse going to talk about people anyway. So if she's picking on me, she's letting the others rest for a while. I take it as an opportunity. Do you see what I'm saying? As opportunities to experience God's faithfulness and blessings anew. Hey, hey, hey. If you are walking through your valley of Baca today, be sure you are on your pilgrimage toward God, not away from him. Some people sit in church, fought all the way there, and they're not giving in, even in church with God moving. I've seen it in some of my own people when we pastored. I could tell when they came. They didn't even want to sit close to each other, but they had to sit on their pew because that's where they always sit. <laughs> but they had a big old wedge between them. And once in a while, you'd be saying something, and the one would look like, see, you need to listen. The other one like, you know, see, I'm not touching that. And they go home the same way they came. I don't know about you, but I call it an opportunity to get in the house of God so we can honey sugar baby darling. I'm sorry. Bible says don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Reason people are getting divorced right and left. They are not following the instructions of what God says. They're going to win the fight. You don't win nothing. The only one winning is the devil. You're both losing. Got to stop it. That's not in my notes. You might as well enjoy it. Ecclesiastes 7.14 said, In the day of prosperity, be joyous. But in the day of adversity, consider God also has set the one over against the other. You're going to have them both. Prosperity, adversity. To the end that man should find nothing after him. So God allows both of these things to happen in your life to come to all of us. Say, it's going to happen to me. And it's going to happen to you. So if you think you're on that little cloud all the time, just wait. It used to make me mad, though, people, because they would say they didn't enjoy somebody else having fun. Well, I first got saved. I was just like you. Always smiling and singing, but you'll find out later on that don't always happen. I'm like, I'm glad I met you. <laughs> yeah. I think you need deliverance. Amen. I love baby new Christians. They're exciting. When we had those baby new Christians in our church, you start talking about the devil, they grab a hold of their diaper. Where'd that devil? Where'd that devil? I'll get that devil. Where'd that devil? That's the way we ought to be. So how dare you defy the armies of God? I'll chop your head off and feed you to the birds. Who are you, uncircumphilistine, that's not in covenant with my God? And you want to come and antagonize me and terrorize me? I'll chop your head off. You got to know who you are. You're giant killers. Most people would rather babysit their giants. I don't know. We can't take the land. There's giants in the land. Oh, my goodness. There's giants in the land. There's cancer. There's giants in the land. There's arthritis. Oh, no, I don't have no money. There's giants in the land. That's what the majority said. Most people want to go along with the majority. Not me. I'm going to hang with the minority. 
the two that said, we can take the land. Yeah, but they make us look like grasshoppers. Yeah, but you seen how a grasshopper can hop real fast? I can hop from the ground and be on their shoulders. Woo! You ever seen grasshoppers? They can move fast. You try to catch one, it's already gone, you know? So call me a grasshopper you can squish. You ain't going to squish me because I know who I belong to. I'm going to stand with the two. Amen. The minority. What's wrong with our world today? Everybody's going along with majority. That's why we have the problem we do. Everything in the government and everything going on around us and in churches and, and people and schools. It's what the majority says. Well, the majority's fixing to jump off the Empire State Building. You going with them? The majority's drinking the poison out in what was uh, that uh, Jim Jones. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. Now, give mine to, what was that guy that when the snakes were passing around the church, he said, give mine to Geraldine. It was some kind of comedy joke, singing thing, and they were singers, and they said, got in this church, and these snake handlers began to get the snakes out and said they started coming toward him. With the, he said, that's okay, just give mine to Geraldine. Geraldine was his wife playing the organ. <laughs> he said, next thing I know, he said, this church didn't have a back door, but when we got to seeing all these snakes, we made them a back door. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I don't want those things. He allows both adversity and prosperity to come to all. He blends them in our lives in such a way that we cannot predict the future or count on human wisdom and power. Prosperous times, we love to give ourselves credit. But in adversity, we tend to blame God we tend to blame God in our adversity. Why'd you let this happen? God, I thought you loved me. But when everything's going good, look what I've done. Look where I've been. I got a raise at work. I'm getting more money coming in. I've got good health. I've got, the, oh, I mean, I feel good. I got a new truck. Got a new everything. My house. I just bought a new house. You, you, me, me. But everything's, God, the adversity, why did you do this for? I thought you loved me. We start blaming him. Never thanking him for the prosperity of everything he was doing. Amen. When life seems uncertain and uncomfortable, don't despair, for God is in control and will bring good results out of tough times. I want you all to write some of these scriptures down because if you're going to need to learn coming up how to go through to get to. It could be that you're going through like Joseph did. Joseph went from the pit, sold into slavery, to the palace, to be lied upon, to be put in prison to go back to the palace to feed the nations. Who knows what you're going through might be to take five loaves, two fishes to feed the nation. Who knows that God's going to not send you down to a shed that's got a hen down there that laid enough eggs for the whole neighborhood. That's what happened to his friends of mine from Germany. And I asked him when Hitler took over, I said, and when all this happened, what, what did you do? How, how did all this come about? Because it looks like we're about to repeat history here. And he said, well, first thing is we woke up one day 
me and my wife, young couple, the 10000 we had in savings, no longer. That next day when we woke up, they said, everybody go to the bank and you get 35 marks. Your money's no good. Everybody gets 35 marks each. He said, thank goodness house and car and things were paid off. That helped, number one. Number two, we moved in together as a family because you had bread lines, you had food lines. I mean, bread lines, uh, flour lines, sugar lines. So there's different things that you had to get in line. And it, sometimes it could be all day long in that line so you couldn't make it to the next line because that may be the line they run for the week of those three things and you can't get it. So if you're living together and working together as a family, one can go get the flour, one can go get the sugar, one can go get the bread. Come on. So, so we had to learn to do that and pull our money together. Said, but still, it was very hard times and said, and that's why I know about the shed. He said, one day the grandma's praying and she said, Helmut, go get that great big bucket out there and said, clean it out and get ready. Said, go on down to that shed down there. God says there's eggs. He came back with that thing loaded and full. It's a big, huge bucket. One hen lay that many eggs? Not naturally, no. But with Holy Ghost, yes. And he said, we fed the neighborhood. We got to be a witness and fed the neighborhood. We got to go through to get to church. Why am I in this desert? Why am I in this valley? Why is this storm happening in my life? I don't know, but I don't want to go 40 years. I want the plan now, Lord. See, some of us need to start praying and saying, you know what, I need to quit murmuring and complaining and just carrying on. Why did he let this happen to me? I can't believe. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I praise you. What's the plan? What are you up to? Go ahead. I'm ready to write it down. I'm ready to hear from heaven because I know that you're going to go through to get me to. Amen? Amen. So we got to go through, say it, to get to. Amen. In our despair, we fear that our sorrows and troubles will never end, but we can take comfort in this certainty. Although the Lord may not always take us around our troubles, if we follow him wholeheartedly, he will lead us safely through them. Both our eternal destination and our present trials are in his hands. Another verse, Psalms 86.2. So first one we had was Psalms 84, 5 through 7. These are scriptures that will help you. Next one is Ecclesiastes 7, 14. And now Psalms 86, 2. Preserve my soul, for I am holy, O thou my God. Save thy servant that trusteth in thee. And we can feel so poor and needy and we take one step forward and feel like we got knocked back three. Seems like no relief in sight. The relief in knowing God answers prayers and will stain us is as such difficult times. It is time to know that he's going to help you from the three steps backwards. Next time is six steps forward. <laughs> you be, fee, five, oh, five, look out devils, here we come. Yeah, I said, fee, five, four, fum, look out, devils, here we come. Want to put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand to flight. Run, devils, run, here we come. 
Psalms 86, 7. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Sometimes our troubles are pain, suffering is so great that all we can do is cry out to God. Preserve my soul. Guard me. Help me. When you feel that your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, remember that as a believer, you have been set apart by God and that he loves you. Look at your problems in the light of God's power instead of looking at God in the light of your problems. Let me say that again. I think that's good. That's why I had to write it down and underline it. Look at your problems in the light of God's power instead of looking at God in the light of your problems. Woo! Can these bones live? Oh, no, God. Oh, I don't think so because bones don't live. Oh, no, God. Prophesy. Prophesy. Yeah. Guess what? Dead bones are going to live. Yeah. Prophesy to the bones. Quit taking whatever the devil's throwing at you. Quit listening to the lies and say, guess what? I speak to these bones. They will live. I speak to my finances. God said he's banker, Jesus. I speak to my body. Healing is the children's bread. And I don't have to continue suffering because by his stripes, I am healed. Prophesy. Woo. It's time you know who you are in Christ Jesus. Hang with me just a little bit more. Psalms 50, 15. And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. You bet. If you get delivered, what you going to do? <laughs> woo! 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 Yeah! 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 Ha! He did it again. Let, let somebody get healed. Now, they're either like, because they're in shock. They just can't believe it. Some of them are even like, well, they're looking for it to come back. I said, what are you doing? Well, it's not hurting right now. I said, right now? Yeah. So you want, are you looking for it? Well, yeah, I'm trying to. I said, stop it. And say, no comeback devil. Some of you say, it, no comeback devil. Sometimes we get so used to something, having it for so long, we don't know how to live without it when God takes it away. Well, yeah, but I always had this limp. I just don't know if I, now you're walking. Well, I don't know, but and I've even seen some people, God straighten them out, and they still try to limp. I said, what are you doing that for? He just straightened your legs out. I know, and now I know why my dad would kick them. Run, 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 run in Jesus' name. They didn't have time to think about what, what they used to be. That's why he kicked the wheelchairs and pulled them out of them so they couldn't sit back down. Broke the crutches. You don't need these no more. They had to start believing because their crutches, they wasn't going to get back. They were broken. Either that or you're going to have to get on your knees to use those crutches. <laughs> Hallelujah. So don't let your murmuring and complaining get you stuck. Don't treat your present situation, struggles, problems lightly or irresponsibly. It may be God's training ground for your future. Such as Paul was shipwrecked to go to Melita. Melita, on the island of Melita, revival broke out. Everybody got healed. 
and then he went to Rome to fulfill the purposes of God. David, a shepherd boy who went into the palace to play for the king. Free training lessons how to be a king just by playing a harp. God's teaching him how to be a king free because he gets to play for the king. The king gets mad, tries to kill him. He ends up in caves running from God and doing all these things, but he's learning how to be a king. You know what he did? God said, I'm taking you from a shepherd boy, and I'm placing you to care for the sheep, to caring for all of Israel. So what you're doing is bigger than you think it is. Right now, we don't see that. Oh, my world's falling apart. Get ready. Get ready. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I'll stand, I'll stand in all of you. (laughs) We can stand up. In adversities and troubles and pain and sickness, because we know in whom we have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which we've committed unto him against that day. I want you to turn to Psalms 107. I'm not going to read them all. I want you to read this yourselves later. But I want you to know there's something I found out that gets God's attention. I mean, even a mama hear her baby crying, what does she do? She goes to find out why it's crying. Sometimes it may be murmuring, what about me? Or, I can't take it no more. Don't you run to check? There's two things God responds to. The cries of his people and the hunger of his people. So if it's getting more than you can handle, start crying. Just get a bucket and ball your eyes out. We got some Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets. You need a breakthrough, just cry till you fill that bucket up. And then if that's not enough, try another bucket full till you finally say, and then God will say, I'll take these tears in a vow and I'll pour them on the altar of incense and I'll put a covenant with you and me. That's in Revelation he says that. So, Psalms 107, that's exactly what it is. Psalms 107, 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathering them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, they're so fainted in them. Then they cried. Everybody cry. Boy, if you really wanted something, cry again. And they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Whoo! Come on, church. And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Then we go down to verse 6. No, verse 13. 
Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. That sounds like cows mooing, trying. <laughs> and they cried unto the Lord in their And he saved them out of their distress. And he brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. 19. Then they cry unto the Lord. <laughs> I'm glad y'all aren't my little babies. I just let you cry in the crib. I'm like, that is a pitiful cry. And they cried unto the Lord. There you go. In their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distress, and he sent his word and healed them. Get this. And healed them. Are you suffering? Are you hurting? Have the doctors told you that diabetes, sugar diabetes is going to destroy you? Have they told you as you get old you're going to cripple? Have they told you your eyes are going to get bad? Your knees are giving way, your back? Come on, I'm going to cry out to God because he will heal me. I was a big crybaby when I had this horrible neck pain. My sister thought I might have, what did she tell him, a tumor or something? Because usually they make you wait in the emergency room. But She didn't tell him a heart attack. She told him something else. They just wheeled me right on back there. She told him, she's probably got a tumor. It's fixing to burst. She is in so much pain. And I was. I was hurting. I was crying. I called, I called my sister. I can't take it no more. I don't know what's wrong. It hurts so bad. She said, I'm on my way. I said, no, I'm not going to the hospital. Just pray. You're going to the hospital and we'll pray. No, I don't want to go to the hospital. I just want God to heal me. He'll heal you, but you're going to the hospital. I said, I'll just have to sit in the emergency room and suffer. She said, you're going. She got me right in. They took me right back. They started x-raying. They started doing all of this. They came back and said I had something degenerative, blah, 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 something, and this and that, and it'll be the rest of my life. I said, no, I don't accept that. I said, hang on. I got to talk to God. I told you we just need to pray. I'm crying because it's a horrible, horrible pain. I have asked people every night in the revival meeting to pray. They gather around me. A whole time I'm preaching, no pain. The glory. I said, just keep me in the anointing. Just keep me in charge. My husband says, you got to get some sleep. I don't want no sleep. There's too much pain. Some of you are suffering and you're putting up with it. Every night I cried. Every night I sit on the side of the bed. He said, I don't know what to do for you. I never, I invented something the way you can take a heating pad and tie it around your neck and hold on to have this contraption or towel that would make it stay there. I built some contraction. And even that didn't work. Nothing worked. Cried and cried and cried. Took me to the hospital. We'll give you these pain pills. They didn't work. I said, you can have them back. They don't work. Nothing's working. Went into Cracker Barrel. He goes in to eat. I go to the bathroom. 
I'm still crying. God, I can't even eat. I can't sleep. I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to have a pity party, but I know you're the healer, God, and I'm just crying. I'm your little girl. You love me. I know you love me, and I don't know why the devil gets to bully me like this, but if you'll just tell me what I need to do, I'll do it. If there's unforgiveness in me, if there's, I mean, I'm going through my life. I'm trying to think of all the things that, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I'll call this one and tell them that, and I'll forgive this one. And I, I mean, I'm going through my life because I'm tired of being in this pain. And all of a sudden, I felt that devil just come on out and lift out. It was a demon. I haven't had it since. I came out of Cracker Barrel singing and dancing. Walk. I said, I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. Y'all are just putting up with things you don't need to be putting up. Let's hear that again. In 19. Uh, and they cried. In their trouble. See, I'm trying to teach you how to cry out to God. In their trouble. And he saved them out of the distress. He sent his word. So get the word out. Start reading the word over you. And he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. I said, let me read that again. He sent his word. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord your healer. I was wounded for your transgressions. I was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon me. And by my stripes you are healed. David said, I cried unto the Lord, and he healed me. I cried unto the Lord, and he healed me. So here we say it again. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them out of their destruction. Now, I just feel like I had more stuff, but I'm going to close there. We're going to pray for people. Because he wants to heal you. I said, because he wants to heal you. Some of you need to start crying. Enough's enough. I've suffered long enough. I don't even like a day of suffering. I don't like a week of it. I don't know how some of you have been putting up with it for years. I won't look at anybody. And I know that sometimes the enemy is such a bully. That he doesn't care. If he gets his clutches in you, he ain't going to let go. But I found out I can throw a fit in the floor and cry and scream like little kids do. Ever get on your nerves? It's like somebody needs to cork that kid. I've been in a restaurant and it's screaming and carrying on. I'm like, okay, give me a cork. I'm going to go cork it. I can't even enjoy my food. But he's got, that kid's got the whole restaurant's attention. Everybody's looking over at the kid, thinking we surely can do something besides corking it. I'll hold the kid. I'll hold the kid down. I'll hold the mom down. Come on. Think, it said if an unjust judge in Luke 18 would avenge a woman who kept coming to him day and night and night and day, crying out to him. If an unjust judge would avenge her of her adversary, how much more would your heavenly Father, who hears your cry day and night and night and day? 
What happened is the devil got you to think God was being mean to you and you quit crying out to him and thought, I just have to accept this. Where did you read that in the Bible? Because I'd like to know where it says that. That you have to just accept it. You have to accept what happened to you in your life. Get over it. No, I don't. He'll make a new creature in Christ Jesus out of me. Old things will pass away. My yesterdays, my anger, my abuse, my hurt, the things that people did to me, they're still going to pass away because he's going to make a new creature in Christ Jesus in me. He's going to change my yesterdays and give me brand news todays. He can take a woman who has slept with everybody and everything and make her, when he gets through with her, feel like she's a virgin. The world will be saying, no, you're not a virgin. She's, yes, I am. Because that's what God does. That's what I'm trying to tell you. He will change our yesterdays. We don't have to put up with the lies from the devil. We don't have to have depression, oppression. We don't have to have sickness, disease, and pain. We can be victorious. Amen. Stand with me. If you can put some music on or if my keyboard player wants, whichever one, I don't care. But Dr. Jesus is here. And he cares that you're suffering. I mean, excuse me, church. What was all of this about? What was this baby that came in this month to a manger? To be flesh. To know what we felt like. To know what we go through. To know what it is to be hungry. To know what it is to hurt. To know what it is to not get sleep. To know what it is to not eat sometimes. To know what it is that people talk about you. And politicians and government come against you. And church people, scribes and Pharisees who tried to make him look like a liar and a crazy man. Called him a wine bibber. But he said, I've got a plan I'm going through to get to. Because there's people sitting at this church, equipping center church, that needs a miracle, that needs deliverance, that needs their joy back, that needs their peace back, needs their finances back. Do you know that the woman, the Shulamite woman whose child died and God breathed on that child? Later on, there was a famine in the land. It was very bad. He said to Gehazite, Gehazite, what's Elisha been up to? He said, oh, he raised a boy from the dead. He said, he sent me down there with my staff, but it didn't work. He said, but he breathed on him nose to nose, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes warmth back into that body and that boy began to breathe and that boy came alive you know what happened next in came that woman he said that's her king that's the woman in the meantime because of the famine the woman lost her house and her property and everything she said what do you want ma'am she said I want my house back I've come back I want my house back 
And God said, that's the woman. Hey, says it's her. He said, I want you to go give her back the house. I want you to take my servants and make sure not only she gets her house back, but every bit of the money they made with her house and with her land and with her property to give it to her. In other words, God restores over and above what you lost. When you, he was on the cross, you were on his mind. I am the Lord that healeth thee. The whole thing that upsets God is unbelief. That's why the bully knows if he can keep bullying you, you will begin to doubt. And doubt brings fear and worry and accepts what you should not be accepting. None of this is in my notes. He's just telling me to tell you. So I want to pray with you now. And they cried unto the Lord. And he healed them and delivered them out of their distress. It's open. It's open. Come on. Come on up and start praying. Don't figure out, well, when's she going to pray for me? If you need to sit down, we'll get a chair up here for you. If you need to sit, just sit in some of these front chairs. we got plenty here. But come on. Don't say, well, I'm going to wait toward the end when everybody's not up there. No, you better get up here. Sometimes when things begin to lift in the anointing, then you try to show up and think, well, what happened? Tell you what happened, you held back. Anyway, that's a different message. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Or visit www.equippingchurch.us.